Welcome to Tomorrow's People, the podcast brought to you by Personio and me, Perry Timms. Everything starts with people. Everything also starts at conferences. So my next guest on this podcast was a speaker at a conference that I was at. And it was the early days of social media adoption. Sharon Tan was an employment lawyer who was talking about what employers and employees need to be wary of when it comes to social media. 2012, we now turn 10 years later plus, and Sharon and I are still in contact. And Sharon's my next guest on the podcast. So we're going to cover an enormous amount of interesting things around the world that's evolved since those 10 years. Let's get straight into it. Welcome, Sharon Tan. Perry, thank you so much for that and a pleasure to be with you today. Oh, pleasure's <laughs> all mine, believe me. So we have kept in touch throughout those oh, yeah. 10 years and it's lovely. And of course, you've gone through some changes. You've got now little family and all sorts of other things. So congratulations on that. Now, you're um, employment lawyer at Mishkondorea. And and so when I knew you, you were an employment lawyer, you're still an employment lawyer now. But anything in particular about the Sharon Tan journey that kind of got you into where you are now? What's the kind of things that almost like sparked you into the action to be the Sharon Tan we now see? Very good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that the thing that's always interested me, as you say, about employment lawyers, people. Mm -hmm. um, the law is, you know, fascinating to lawyers, but yeah. can be a bit dry. But people are the one thing that both, um, is it, well, they're, they're a constant and they're always changing. Yeah. Every person is different. Every situation is different. And that's the one thing that really keeps me interested nice. and has kept me engaged over not just a decade, but possibly two. Wow. <laughs> High time flies. Nice. But um, yeah, whether it's, you know, litigation, yeah. M&A, just yeah. dealing with the day-to-day -day yeah. HR issues, people are absolutely at the heart and centre of both businesses and everything Brilliant. that both you and I do. Brilliant. And it is nice because our professional fields are regularly in collaboration, mm. sometimes in a way that is where it's tense and there's a legality and there's a standoff and a decision to be made, but not always. Sometimes there are ways that HR professionals and employment lawyers are coming together to stop that kind of thing from happening even in the first place. And when we were talking before recording, we were touching on that, that that's a continuation that you see. So do you see that the, um, I guess, preventative nature is as much a part of being an employment lawyer as helping people with the interpretation of law, law in making a decision? Absolutely. There's just no question about it. I mean, the law is just the framework that sits behind mm. it. I always take the view that, you know, everybody's business is their business to run. Mm. Um, you know, my 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 job largely is to help them to manage their risk yeah. um, and just to try and get in front of the problem to the extent that we're able to. Sometimes right. that's not possible. Yeah. But to the extent it is, it is always better to try and um, take a proactive approach yeah. and try and head things off at the pass. Yeah. And, you know, that's ideally what you would be doing. Yeah. I guess if we look at the world now compared to 10 years ago, it was complex then. It's even more complex now. <laughs> what are some of the things and themes that we can talk about where you are occupying your time with clients and helping them out and yeah. so on? I mean, there's probably a range. Let's start somewhere. Well, I mean, I guess one of the things that everybody has been grappling with, um, and you know, it may be obvious, but it's certainly one thing that clients are still talking about a lot. And I mean, it's a business we're still dealing with as well, mm -hmm. is the whole business of, you know, the hybrid working, okay. flexible working arrangements. I mean, mm -hmm. there is absolutely no doubt that it's one of the biggest societal changes mm -hmm. I think we've seen, certainly in the workplace yeah. over the 
our working careers in mm-hmm. this generation. Um, and it's undoubtedly one of the lasting legacies of the pandemic in mm. the workplace. And I mean, really, it has an awful lot to be said for it and an awful lot mm. to recommend it. I think once we all sort of, you know, got over the fact that we were all stuck in our living rooms or whatever yeah. it was, looking at everybody else stuck in theirs and yeah. um, figuring out how to make things work, we then realised that, um, yeah. you know, when you take the pandemic out of it, there's a yeah. lot that's actually really beneficial and it yeah. allows a lot of people to better manage their work-life balance, yeah. to juggle all of the various competing demands they mm. have and, you know, a happier workforce is, tends to be a more productive workforce. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the the issues, just coming back to your question, yeah. but the issues that a lot of my clients and a lot of employers, as I say, are grappling with is this business of how to find the perfect balance, how right. to find the happy medium because, mm. you know, there are so many situations in which, you know, the employer wants a little bit more presence in the office, mm. the employee wants a bit more work-life balance at home. Mm. And, you know, you've got a whole range of situations. Um, mm. You know, I think that some research was done quite recently which suggested that I think 90% of employers are now operating a hybrid working mm. model of some variety. But mm. I think about 67% of HR directors are struggling mm. to get people back into the yeah. office to the extent that they would like yeah ideally so you know on the employer side of things it's like you know i want more engagement i want to build a culture Mm -hmm. i mean all very laudable all Mm -hmm. really sensible um often i want you know more touch points with clients i want Mm. those serendipitous moments by the water cooler Mm. um and the employee you know it's not to say that they're not up for that Mm. but it's finding the right balance Mm. i think in between the two yeah certainly uh, when i'm talking to clients same sort of thing right Mm. Uh, and a few of them are exploring how duty of care, for example, yeah. is impacted on. So a few have said to me, but what about things like screen assessments and yeah. workstations? Absolutely. And and they are genuinely starting from that point of, I want to look after my people. Yeah. But they're also thinking, if it went to a litigious claim about the fact that the work they did for me led to them having a bad back because they had a bad workstation yeah. i don't want to get into that legal stat are you seeing any of that coming through yeah i mean right. absolutely we, we are right. i mean and i think the point to make there is mm. that when it comes to health and safety duty of care you're absolutely right the fact that somebody is working remotely yeah. does not mean that you no. are excused of that and mm. i think that you know that's something that for smes in particular i think yeah. it's just worth bearing in mind because there is a real upside from the employer's perspective too of a lack of overhead so you can say do you know what we're going to go fully remote and a lot of people are it's you know a fantastic retention recruitment tool no question in some circumstances and some people frankly are coming to job interviews saying i i'm a fantastic candidate i'd love to do it but only if it's fully remote so you know that 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 is great and it can work but you're absolutely right to say that you know you need to balance on the one hand um, you know, the saving of overheads, mm. saving of office costs mm. with the fact that your tech needs to work better, mm. with the fact that, you know, your health and safety obligations remain in place and you might need works, you know, workplace or work, workstation assessments in the usual way. You've got, you know, confidentiality issues, you've got GDPR issues, data yeah. protection. There's a whole host of issues yeah. that do make this arrangement a little bit more complex, yeah. completely surmountable. Yeah but absolutely one of those things that mm. ideally you should be thinking about mm. and managing proactively mm. to prevent issues. I find it really nice that you led with things like connectedness and mm. serendipity and the feel of culture and so on. And you're absolutely right. I think there are lots of people who have endured working mm. from home and are longing to go back. And one of the things and the dilemmas I guess we're talking about is companies are saying, but it, it's kind of slower to yeah. do certain things because my day is just rammed with appointments. Mm. I, I mean, I'm guessing as an in-demand um, advisor and lawyer, you're the same. Mm. You're dealing with a pretty relentless workload. 
in in your practice, I mean, how are you kind of navigating around that as a group of lawyers who have got their own clients, but equally you're, you know, looking after yourselves as well? Mm. I mean, the kind of conversations you're having are the same as the conversations your clients are having, right? Absolutely. I mean, we're a business like every other mm. business, and it's really interesting. I think in some ways it makes you a much more empathetic and understanding mm. advisor if you've kind of lived it yeah. or tried to live it as yeah. much as you can. But you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that one of the biggest challenges that we have you know, with the working environments yeah. that we have and the challenges that we have, mm. is to find ways to establish the boundaries. Yeah. Not just for ourselves, but yeah. for our people. Because, you know, on the one hand, you have, you know, the ability for people to work the extra hour at the front end of the day and at the end of the day. But that can lead to burnout. Um, and, you know, the boundaries between the personal and the private life really do get blurred because you just go upstairs, you just go down, oh, I'll just work a little bit longer. Mm. And so I think, you know, there is something to be said for... You know, how do you manage that? Mm. You know, do we need to get to a point such as, you know, France and Portugal have of saying you, there is enforced downtime? Mm. People actually have the right to turn their mm. iPhones, God forbid, off mm. and become not connected mm. to not be social going mm. back a decade mm. <laughs> to when we first met. Mm. Um, but I think these are all the kind of yeah. issues and topics that are evolving yeah. as we move. Forward. And I guess you're you finding yourself in a position where the law isn't quite yet there yet in terms mm. of prescriptive. So you are having to be interpretive, aware of the law and the parameter, mm. but also aware, as you said, of business context and people's needs. Mm. Do you find yourself more in that sort of almost liminal space? What you mean in terms of how you manage Advice. the kind of the, yeah. the overlap between yeah. the legalities of yeah. it and finding... We do. And one yeah. of the things I think really that's cropped up in that space of late is the business of pay. Okay. I mean, pay is always at the heart of these things. But, mm. you know, we've had a lot of discussions with clients and mm. there's been, you know, various um, articles in the press, including with some law firms, about what you do in circumstances where somebody isn't going to be in the office full time mm. or is only coming in once a month or once a week because, you know, you obviously see the kind of the carrot side of people yeah. trying to entice people into the office. You know, I said earlier that HRDs are struggling to get people in. So you've got the, you know, you see the, kind of the advent of, you know, drinks at the end of the day, yeah. free meals, all yeah. of this sort of thing, the carrot. The stick side we are seeing too mm. um, because some people are saying, well, you know, fairness is, mm -hmm. is is very important, particularly in London. You know, there used to be the London Waiting Alliance. There still often yeah. is. And so people have kind of come to me and said, well, mm. what, what do we do? Mm. Um, these people are not incurring the costs of commuting. They're not, you know, paying to live in zone one, zone two, whatever mm. it is. Is it fair? I mean, just, yeah. just genuinely leave the yeah. law to one side, but is yeah. it fair yeah. to those that are incurring those costs mm. that they are paid the same? Yeah. Um, and so we have seen sort of a rise of, people saying, employers saying, in fact, a law firm was in the press not so long yeah. ago for saying, you know, we're going to have a 20% reduction, reduction. in pay mm. for those who want to go fully remote and just mm. come in once a month. Mm. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's a really interesting question culturally mm. as well as legally. Mm. Um, I mean, clearly anything can be done by agreement. Yep. Um, and I think the important thing, of course, is to make sure you're not giving something and then seeking to try and take it afterwards because that doesn't work. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting conversation. And I think... You know, it does throw up a whole kind of different train of thought because, yes. you know, traditionally women were the ones who had the part time arrangements, you know, more, more often than not, not yep. always. Mm -hmm. And hopefully not to the same degree of prevalence these days. Mm -hmm. But, mm. you know, it, 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 there's more of a propensity mm. um, statistically for women to want a part time arrangement. And what's interesting, um, I think, is that the kind of traditional four day 
week that was favoured historically pre-pandemic by a lot of working mothers has sort of morphed into more of a working from home arrangement. And that can be a win-win for everybody. Mm. I mean, you're not spending time commuting to the office whenever you, you, know, you can do the school run, you can come back, you can log on, you can do all sorts of things. Um, and, it, and it really, really can work. But I think the question when you put it together with what I was just talking about in relation to pay is, you know, you get difficult questions thrown up such as, is it indirectly discriminatory to um, have those sorts of arrangements? Because are more women than men likely to be affected? Now, I think from my own view on that is that you can probably defend it. Right. Because um, as long as it's not just cost, but there are okay. good reasons for it, and as long as the reduction is proportionate, yeah. there are certainly arguments for saying it's not yeah. indirect sex discrimination. Yeah. You know, but equally, you could have people saying, "Well, you know, I need to work from home because I'm disabled." Mm. I think that's more difficult yeah. because is it a reasonable adjustment? So there's yeah. a, there's a whole lot of stuff that's thrown up, and that's just yeah. in the the here and now. I think wow. over the medium term, yeah. the long term. What we haven't yet seen is, you know, is there going to be a widening of the gender pay gap? Are we going yeah. to find that people who are, you know, much more full, much more full time remote, yeah. are struggling with career advancement? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, a lot of these things coming up. You're right. We're at the very beginning of the beginning of a lot yeah. of this unraveling, right? And 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 as ever, and I don't expect it to be otherwise. The law kind of has to have precedence before it can start to form into place yeah. for some of this, right? Yeah. I mean, often this stuff is dealt with via case law, mm. not by parliament. They're yeah. somewhat busy at the exactly. moment. A lot of the employment law stuff has sort of been sitting somewhat yeah, on the back burner for a it? while. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I <yeah>. noticed. Yeah. <laughs> IR thirty five in our oh. all sorts of things, right? So, uh, <laughs> so I think we we can agree that there's more to come. But mm. I'm liking what I'm hearing from you, which is really a very practical sense in many ways starting with fairness mm. as well as legality becoming part of that, I don't know, I suppose you'd say um, uh, proving concept. Mm. Um, so we don't want to panic, but we've got to be alive to the to what's going on yeah. now in terms of what the long tail um, um, uh, implications of it are, I suppose. And pay is so sensitive to people, obviously, yeah. cost of living crisis and so on, more so. So we've been talking on this podcast to people in talent acquisition and in sustainability and uh, the green sort of futures. And the message is coming through pretty strongly that purpose matters. Mm -hmm. People are willing to trade time and flexibility and ethical employers for certain different elements of pay and conditions and yeah. so on. So I think we're sort of starting to go beyond a little bit the contract, if that makes sense. Yes. And I don't know whether that, again, gives you a sense of the different relationship between HR professionals and lawyers going into that sort of uh, arrangement. Ethical employers, transparency, purposeful. Yeah. That kind of thing perhaps opens up a, a different way to offer protection and the risk management that you talked about mm. with clients. I mean, just thinking about... Um, people who publish the salaries of everybody in yeah. the company quite openly. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very moving feast, isn't it? It really is. Um, and you're absolutely right to say that, you know, I suppose not even a generation ago, not that long ago, mm. um, the demarcation between private life, what people cared about in terms yeah. of the causes they would support and yeah. the professional life mm -hmm. were really very distinct. Mm -hmm. That line has, I think, become very blurred. And I think mm. with the advent of Generation Z coming into the workplace, yeah. it's it's really kind of escalated. And I think mm. we saw it coming out of the pandemic. We really were mm. pre this funny recessionary 
space that we're in at the moment, mm. but we were we came out into a real war on talent. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's absolutely something that people were looking at. They mm. were taking a much more holistic approach yeah. to you know their career, to what they mm. wanted from their career, mm. and they were very much saying, look, the differentiator for me is how you treat all stakeholders, not just shareholders. Um, and what's really interesting, I suppose, you know, when you overlay the legal system that we have at the moment, yeah. is you know what formally do employers have to put out there? And at the moment, obviously, we've got, you know, gender pay gap yep. data, but we don't have ethnicity pay gap no. reporting and we're not likely to for the foreseeable no. future. Um, but, you know, and so I suppose employers could say, well, okay, how much can you see from the outset? Is it more of a retention issue rather mm. than a recruitment issue? Mm. But again, going back to where we first met, um, the whole business of social media, mm. we live in a social media obsessed mm. world. And so, you know, be it Glassdoor or whatever it is, okay. there are so many ways that mm. prospective recruits can see into an organization yeah. and the things that matter, you know, certainly, you know, cash is, you know, comp is, is mm. certainly used to be king. Mm -hmm. Um, I think certainly we have seen a bit of a, a move away from that in recent years. Now, it remains to be seen whether we move straight back into mm, yeah. cash is king and difficult recessionary mm. times because, mm. you know, some of this might be nice to have yeah. whenever, we, you know, the chips really are down. Yeah. But it's um, it's a really good observation. Mm. And I guess the whole sense that things like culture matters and, and you know, companies' stance on social injustice yeah. and, 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 you know, where people say, but you didn't back me, yep. not directly, but, you know, something I'm affiliated with through lived experience or yeah. born um, uh, circumstances is, again, an interesting tension, I guess, between mm. employer and employee. It just shows you how the nature of that relationship just shifts with what's big macroeconomic and yeah. macro political minor individual stuff it's just yeah. a real mishmash it's interesting to me how how you kind of keep abreast of all of this and and then try and make it fit in the way that i guess you are a legal practitioner and an advisor and, mm. you know that kind of thing you must find yourself having to consume a lot of information oh yeah i mean yeah. undoubtedly i will be the geek on the tube sitting okay. there reading cases you know it's okay. just you fit it in where you can fit it in right. but it's fascinating i think mm. you know as with everything mm. you know if you're fascinated by what you do and mm. you love it, it Mm. it's not so difficult mm. and I think there is something about that passion is what we really want to see from our people stepping into the workplace in the way that we described at the beginning of this where it's all about mm. you know the changing nature of expectations and demands and so on set against a whole different operating paradigm this podcast is brought to you by Personio Personio is the all-in-one HR solution for now and the future. We help HR teams recruit, onboard, manage, pay and develop employees more efficiently. And our easy-to-use solution works across every part of the employee lifecycle. Automate your people processes and gain time back for more impactful work, like creating your people strategy. After all, everything starts with people. To find out what Personio can do for you and your business, head to personio.com. That's P-E-R-S-O-N-I-O dot com. One of the things that I've been surprised about, because I go back to the sort of Margaret Thatcher, 1970s, uh, minor disputes and so on. Mm. I thought we'd seen the end of industrial action. And then, buff, all of a sudden, yeah. we are beset, understandably, by a bit of a revolt. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, how's that playing out in your world and clients and just your general perspective on things? Yeah, I mean, I guess we live in a cyclical economy. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's fair to say that, you know, whenever you have these economic tensions, mm. you've got, I mean, goodness, inflation today was setting 10% or whatever it was yeah. a year and year, it's frightening. Um, you know, I think that everybody is in a position where, you know, their, their interests are, you know, polarising slightly. Yeah. Right. And everybody, you know, there's only so much to go around. And I yeah. think, you know, as I say, employers find themselves, SMEs will find themselves mm. in this difficult place, undoubtedly saying, well, how do we manage our cost base? Mm. We're coming into a recession. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? Mm. Um, our biggest cost in so many business in so many businesses is is the wage bill mm-hmm. um, every month. What are we going to do about it? Mm. And, you know, there, there are different flavours of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it very much plays at the one end of the spectrum to the the kind of the black letter of the law and how that all fits together. Mm-hmm. But at the other, I think there is this business of... Um, you know, how do we how do we solve this problem mm. together? How do you when you mm. need to pivot in turbulent mm. times, um, which there is no doubt we are living <laughs> in at the moment, how do you bring your people with you? You know, one thing that um we've seen quite a lot of, of course, you know, we've seen lots of strikes and I don't imagine, as you say, we've seen the last of no. them, for, albeit often for very understandable reasons. Mm. Um, you know, you can see equally from employers, you know, they're not necessarily able to drive their revenue up mm. in a corresponding way can't necessarily match inflation and so you have this sort of disconnect and you know nobody is in some ways the baddie in many Mm. in many situations it's just a you know a really difficult situation to reconcile Mm. um and one thing that we have seen rise a a kind of a a rise of during the pandemic particularly i think in the retail and tourism sectors during the the pandemic where there was this whole business of fire and rehire okay which is essentially just a means, a legal means at the moment um, of forcibly changing people's terms and conditions. Now, it's in some ways the inverse of what the unions are pushing for. Yeah. They're pushing for pay raises um, yeah. or rises, I should say. But, yeah. um, you know, I suppose looked at from the prism of the employer, yeah. um, the, the employer's perspective, it's when you need to actually reduce the wage bill yep. a little bit. Now, none of it is necessarily appealing, but it is still technically lawful mm-hmm. to fire people on mm-hmm. a mass basis often. Mm-hmm with a very small redundancy package on offer mm-hmm. um, and immediately offer them another job on the, albeit slightly less mm-hmm. good terms and conditions. Right. Um, and really what you're essentially doing is putting them in an invidious position mm. of being left with a legal claim that's not worth very much mm. because they have been offered an opportunity yeah. to fully mitigate their loss. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it is lawful, mm. I'm afraid to say, mm. with, you know, with a few small exceptions. Um, mm. to to do that. Mm. But, um, you know, we've seen it in the pandemic. We've seen mm. P&O Ferries was probably mm. one of the worst situations. Mm. Um, you know, they didn't comply with their collective consult- consultation obligations. That's an area in which they didn't, you know, there was a technical claim against them, but yeah. the publicity was terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the government, candidly, isn't changing it anytime soon. I mean, we had a... No. A code of practice that's been mooted that's not in place, but okay. it's pretty toothless. Okay. If it comes in in its current incarnation, they might allow yeah. you to increase the damages and unfair dismissal claim by up to twenty five percent. But wow, you know it's it, it, it's it's not that appealing. No, uh, and I imagine it creates an incredibly soured relationship in yeah. some respects. Just at the time when probably, like you started talking about that, you want togetherness and an esprit yeah. de corps. And I mean, I do know a story of one organisation faced with, um, it was in 2008 crash, actually. Mm. They lost literally half a year's order book oh, wow. in the matter of weeks. And and it was a crisis meeting that the CEO brought together. It was a big distribu- uh, manufacturing company in the US 
And they started to go along the dialogue of how do we get rid of? And the CEO yeah. kind of stopped and went, but if we were a family, I know we're not and we're bigger, but if we were a family, we wouldn't make our brother redundant because we didn't mm. have enough food to go around. We would make do and share. He said, I want to see what we can do. And the, the short version of this story is that he kind of crowdsourced what yeah. people could do. Some took early retirement, some took less days, but on the condition that a colleague of theirs with a family didn't have to. And it was a beautiful example, actually, of where people come together. Mm. And, and it'd be nice to think that, that that's a way of doing it and, and that, you know, there, were, there, were, there was a kind of legal protection around people yeah. to do that. But, I mean, you know, I'm talking about a, 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 an example that showed the way, but for most people it's so complex. They're trying to do the right thing and it, and it, and it often is, is just fraught mm. with big challenges and psychological breaches and who knows where that might go in terms of recovery and restoration but I'm with you it's like it might not be illegal but it feels pretty stained yeah. and tainted right mm. but I suppose there is this sense that facing economic hardship um, difficulty in um, recruiting talent and limited pay bills and so on the whole sense of um what can we do might feel a bit lost on people. And mm. if they look to the legal side of things, it's providing protection and risk management, but it isn't providing necessarily direction and assurance. Mm. But that doesn't stop people coming to you, though, saying, Sharon, what can we do, I bet? People still having yeah. problems that they need some advice from yeah. you on. I mean, if anything, I think, you know, it tends to increase in times of volatility. Um, you know, there isn't always a silver bullet. No. And as you say, a lot of it really is about choice mm -hmm. and about risk management because, you know, there's, there's a myriad of choices. You know, there's mm. there's the legal, you know, the, the mm. hard kind of, you know, legal mm. economic choices. And then coming back to this point we were talking about, about how people view the organisation and how it looks after stakeholders in bad times as well as good, there is that reputational piece. Mm. And there is, you know, who do we want to be? Um, in terms of our persona, our co corporate identity. Mm. Who are we going to be? What are we going to stand for? Mm. I mean, frankly, even if I look at it through a really mercenary lens, you know, how does that feed back to brand? Mm. These things can go, mm. come against you very, very mm. quickly in this day and age. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's, it's, a very, it's a very nuanced decision yeah. in some ways. It's not yeah. all, and there are occasions when it's black and white and yeah. it's like, okay, fine, we're going to take the risk, it's going to cost mm. X and we're going to move on. But there are so many situations where it's not that yeah. cut and dried. Yeah. And really it shouldn't be for the yeah. most part. And, you know, really you put people into the equation. We're talking about families, we're talking about yeah. a difficult situation. People are struggling mm. to get new jobs. Yeah. Um, I mean, not to say for one second that businesses haven't got the same pressures. Mm -hmm. It's, it is difficult all right, mm. but um, hopefully, you know, as with all things cyclical, yeah, we will, we will be on an upturn again it together. soon. It feels like the system might be at a breaking point, but, uh, you know, often new systems need the old one to break before the new system yeah. comes through. I mean, is, is there a kind of future perspective that you are hopeful and looking toward in the work you do and the people profession and the world of work more generally i mean are there a few kind of things you're like hoping and willing into existence to happen i don't know i mean i think it is just finding a way through for people to have yeah. a happier career and yeah. you know professional existence because mm -hmm. and i do think in some ways whilst you know we're in a transitional period mm -hmm. and everybody does need to adapt and find i hate that phrase the new normal because we're well beyond it being particularly new mm. but you know finding a way to enable 
people to achieve in all areas of their life. I've always big, been a big proponent pre-pandemic just of trying your best to have it all. And OK, it might be a bit of a fallacy, but I do think there are things that we can do to help set ourselves up better for success. Mm. Um, you know, lose the bits of the day that mm. really weren't particularly accretive and that mm. weren't really helping. And, you know, sometimes commuting is important because it's important yeah. to see people. It's important yeah. to make the effort. It doesn't necessarily need to be five days a week. No. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the hope is that we'll come back into sunnier economic times, mm. um, you know, having come through this mm. in as decent and fair a way as we can. Mm. Um, and, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, move on to the next chapter. And I do wonder whether some of that is is a different type of merger and acquisition. What I'm talking about there is a kind of merger with the communities that, businesses operate in and where people live mm. and so on and choices around that and the acquisition of those options that you talked about I mean I think there's something really difficult to see right now but you you kind of hope that there's some educational twists to this to come through where people can choose career paths mm. but I think it's incumbent on businesses to focus on their challenges now but but not ignore that long-term possibility that yeah. you just talked about right because that's that's really the sort of power source behind a lot of this yeah. Um, uh, so I'm wondering, you know, do companies come to you and kind of have a strategy and go, look, this is where we want to head, but actually where we're going is quite radical. We don't know the legality of it or, the, or whatever. And, you know, can you help us with the steps along the way and make sure that when we get there, we've got everything in place? Do you get to do that kind of co-strategizing with clients? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, it, it doesn't happen so often, right. but it's fantastic when it does. Nice. And I suppose one area that you do see it in quite a lot, mm. and it chimes with what you were saying about, you know, in some ways what we've just been talking about, but this difficult yeah. fix that we find ourselves mm -hmm. in at the moment. But it sort of comes back to the design of things like incentive schemes. Yep. So, you know, post-Lehman, and as you, mm. again, as you say, it takes... Um, you know, change. A change arises out of things mm. kind of getting broken first time mm. around. But, you know, coming out of the whole Lehman and mm. the 2008 crash, we had a whole development in the world of incentive plans about what we call malice and clawback. So if things go wrong, you don't get your deferred bonuses. Yeah. There's, a, there was, there's a whole like world that has spun yeah. up coming out of that. Yeah. And I suppose maybe out of this current situation yeah. we're in, you know, we talk about how do you bring people with you? How mm. do you align mm. those interests? Mm. Is there more of a conversation to, mm. you know, take the, you know, the long-term incentive plans that we have, giving people a stake in the company, you know, doing, maybe even doing more of a trade, you know, mm. we as a company need to save jobs. We need to save, uh, you know, co we need to save, you know, the costs that we're hemorrhaging out every month at the moment mm. if we are to survive. Mm. Um, so we are all in it together. How about we trade a little bit of kind of, fixed compensation for an, an equity stake i mean it's something that okay. happens but we you know it hasn't necessarily happened outside of the c-suite okay as much to date yeah. you know and ideally you would like perhaps that to be rolled out across mm. um you know the whole workforce yeah. to the extent it hasn't already you see it at plc level but maybe not yeah so much beyond that yeah talks to a bit more of that stakeholder capitalism rather than yeah. shareholder capitalism and i'm interested in things like employee ownership and yeah i'm interested in um you know the whole cooperative sense uh, yeah. are you seeing some of those conversations emerging through this or not so much cooperatives no. but you i mean in, in some contexts yes yeah. but but perhaps not ones that would be relevant to this audience okay. but um but yeah i mean i entirely agree you know employee ownership yeah. is something i think that's yeah. really got a lot Mm. to be said for it mm. um you know john lewis i suppose is kind yeah. of the, the historical model that everybody mm. points to but um you know that alignment of interests mm. is kind of i suppose what you should be yeah. shooting for in a world yeah. where it feels that like everything is so polarized yeah. and people are so driven apart you know strike action only just 
further entrenches people. Yeah. You know, not saying it's not legitimate, but yeah. you know, everybody ends up then digging in, and it's mm. just become horribly legal. Mm. You're in the courts, getting injunctions. You're doing this. You're doing that. It's horrible. Mm. Um, and mm. it's really, you know, it may solve it eventually, mm. but you know, it leaves scars. Yeah, and I think what I'm kind of constantly thinking back is the nature of your work being more about the protective risk managed legal framework of that change rather mm. than the polarised fixing fighting mm. thing that happens now. I mean, I'm sure you'd much rather be spending time doing that. Adversarial, I guess, is part of yeah. what you have to accept in, in some respects. But uh, it feels to me like you're always trying to narrow the gap to get to a decision, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Sharon, that's fantastic. You've got my mind going to all sorts of spaces now about a potential future constitutional construct and 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 therefore also psychological and emotional construct, mm. which I really hope comes to bear. Is there anything else you want to leave us with before we sign off for today? Goodness, I don't know. I mean, I suppose the only other thought that I had whenever we were talking about this, you know, holistic approach is mm. it kind of goes back to work-life balance. Okay. Um, and one thing that I have seen cropping up a little bit mm. is the new word for it is quiet quitting oh that yeah. um you know and actually if you look at it closely you kind of go well this is work to rule as it yeah. was and i think just i suppose the observation i would have is that it depends which side of the line you're on mm -hmm. because a lot of contracts don't say you can work 9 a.m till 5 30 p.m and you can clock off at 5 31 most of them will say and you will work such additional hours as may be required for mm -hmm. the proper performance yeah. of your duties True. and so you know that doesn't sit very easily no. against the kind of the current culture and it's you know quite rightly emerging from the pandemic of i want to actually enjoy my whole life mm -hmm. i want to make sure that there is this balance that's mm -hmm. what a lot of this hybrid stuff speaks to um and mm -hmm. i think one thing that is quite interesting is that you know if you are on the right side of the line, it's it's fine. But again, it comes back to this point about you, that you mentioned about wanting mm. to have so much from you know we we want people to turn up with passion, and yeah. it's not to say they can't have passion between nine and yeah. five thirty, and it clocks off at five thirty one. That may be the case, but you know most employers, particularly in SMEs, will probably want you know one hundred and fifty percent. Let's make this into something. Let's yeah. let, let's grow it, mm. um, and that sits pretty uneasily, as I say, mm. alongside people who are saying, look. You know, I'm signed up for this and no more. Mm -hmm. um, and I think in terms of just the optics of that, it's got mm. quite a different flavour to mm. it, to the historical work to rule, as we call it, which mm. was much more militant, much yeah. more, I'm, I, you know, this, yeah. is my, this is my way of, you know, having mm. a bone to pick with my employer. Yeah. Um, but it's nonetheless, yeah. in practical terms, is it that different? So I yeah. think there are some interesting conversations yeah. and there are some new things that are sort yeah. of arising that will be, no doubt, keeping us all busy Great point. for I mean, a, long, a long time. It almost felt to me as you described it, I hadn't created this distinction between a kind of, um, you know, a contractual revolt, if you mm. want to call it that, without breaching it, to a, I'm imbalanced here yeah. and I just want to restore that balance and I'm not going to make a fuss about it. Yeah, I sort of am in a way. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I think there's something, like you said, the militancy of work to rule that, uh, you know, we use that in quotes, but it felt like it was a very big declaration versus yeah. this subtlety. Which is actually coming from a different place, yeah. which might be, do you know what? I go and do a yoga class every, whatever it is, yeah. Thursday, Wednesday, whatever, mm. at this time, and that's mm. my work-life balance. Mm. That's my thing, or I go and see my mm -hmm. kids. Or mm -hmm. you know, a completely different place from a militant stand, but in mm. practical terms for the employer... Yeah. 
is it that different? Okay, yeah. you know, the, the employee relations side yeah. of it is yeah. slightly different. The response should be slightly different, but yeah. it's, you know, they're interesting things yeah. that we'll all have to navigate. I, I wonder whether somebody dare put on an engagement survey <laughs> in the future. Are you quiet quitting a lot? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I just wonder whether we shouldn't even go there. But I think it does raise a question about where are we getting it wrong then and what can yeah. we do to restore that sense of equity, I suppose, in the mm. relationship. Um, and, and it'll be really interesting to see whether somebody's sites are... I suspected they were quiet quitting, which is why I then invited yeah. them to... You know what I mean? It's like, you never well, know where do we go, go with it? Yeah. <laughs> but it's bound to appear in some kind of parody sitcom somewhere as well <laughs> before that. Um, maybe a new version of The Office. Um, oh, God. Blimey. Sharon, that was amazing. We covered a lot of ground, you know. We always do, Perry. Thank you, thank you. Uh, and it has been really nice to see you in 3D and reconnect and all that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I guess it just remains for me to say thank you for doing what you do and standing in the space that you stand and believing in the things that you believe. And I guess the whole essence of this podcast is about tomorrow's people, but that everything starts with people. So I think you've set out some really interesting perspectives and reality of now and also kind of alluring future possibilities for us uh, so Sharon uh, on behalf of everybody involved in this podcast thank you very much again thank you Paris it's been an absolute pleasure Bye.